Max Verstappen takes win number 11, and Daniel Ricciardo brings a whole new meaning to the phrase, the show must go on. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Welcome to episode 395 of Motorsport 101. Here we are, folks. Welcome to the Italian Grand Prix. Welcome to Monza, the Temple of Speed. And, uh, whew, this one split the room, I think, didn't it, folks? Um, this was a wild one, but uh, that one thing remained absolutely, abundantly, disgustingly clear. Max Verstappen cannot be beaten. It is getting a bit silly now. His fifth win in a row. His 11th win on the season. I love that our co-host now, Discord server, Ryan Eric King, went to, went to check the standings and was like, so when did Max Verstappen suddenly win everything? Um, <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny. But breaking it down with me, alongside me, of course. First up, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi, Dre. Uh, hello, listeners. You know, I, I, honestly, at this point, I'm just continuing to watch to... Uh... Well, just, just just smirk at Ferrari's grave. <laughs> I think the phrase you're looking for here is tap dancing. Um, <laughs> I went to my hater's funeral just to make sure that fucker was dead. <laughs> I think that's what um, Alex Polo did to uh, Zach Brown after today's recent news. Um, <laughs> more on that in the next episode. But uh, also with us, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. I would like to share with you... Uh, this was shared to us by Alanis King. Uh, the headlines on Ferrari on the Ferrari media site's official F1 race recaps. Mm. Spanish Grand Prix, a tough Sunday, but it's not all bad. Monaco Grand Prix, not the result we'd hope for. Azerbaijan Grand Prix, bitter disappointment. French Grand Prix, Carlos makes up 14 places. A great shame for Charles. Hungarian Grand Prix, below par. Belgian Grand Prix, a tough race. Italian Grand Prix, an imperfect Sunday. It, it's tough in these streets for them. <laughs> you know, it, just imagine, uh, you know, it, you, you buy up your anniversary yellow Ferrari shirt, and all it's commemorating is Ferrari getting spanked on home soil. Again. I, have, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was 63 quid on pre-order, and I found it very comfortable, I have you know. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely shirt. It is. It is a lovely shirt. It's just a shame it reminds me of Ferrari. Um, <laughs> I mean, it can also remind you of, like, is it, is it Borussia Dortmund who are yellow and black in Bundesliga? Yes. Okay, yeah. It can, it can remind you of Borussia Dortmund. That works. That definitely works. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, you know, it, uh, as I sport my Borussia Dortmund Formula One hybrid jersey, we'll be talking about the Italian Grand Prix. We'll be talking about the battle for the win as Max Verstappen pretty much ran everybody over again. Um, I know. I, I don't know how you're not bored of this yet either. We'll find a way. Um, but the main event of discussion would almost certainly be the final five laps of this race. Daniel Ricciardo parking his car at the Lesmos, and I'm just checking my notes here. We didn't finish on the green? Hmm. Oh, Andre, no, this is so not right. It's called the motor race, RJ. <laughs> um, but also, we have also got to talk about a standing. We had a super sub. It was one Nick DeFreeze. 
and he Wait was really good. That's not Nico Hulkenberg. That's not Robert Kubica. Yeah, I just know. think right now Nico Hulkenberg is going to finish finish twenty second in a twenty driver championship. <sighs> He's never going to get a podium, but he will have the twenty second place finish. What a guy! <laughs> he he finds a way, folks. He finds a way. Right, places you can find us before we get into the nitty gritty. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. You can follow our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. You can check us out on Instagram, Motorsport101Pod. Um, you can for updates on our content there. And all of our content is on our website, Motorsport101.com, including written reviews of this and... The IndyCar season finale at uh, Monterey, which we'll get into on our next episode, 396. Um, and if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Just $5 gets you early access to all of our episodes before they go live to the public. And you can also get Discord access as well. We can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. Hello to the audience. Shout out, shout out to you guys. Hope you guys are having a good time here on Family Feud. Right, so let's get into the Italian Grand Prix. Naked Grandma! But naked, what? I don't want to see that either. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk about Monza. And well, let's just get it off the top. He's just inevitable. Max Verstappen just keeps on winning. His fifth race win in a row, his eleventh win on the season. We've only had 16 races. Yeah, he's won eleven of them. This time he had to come from seventh on the grid after taking a five-place penalty for a new piece of power unit, but he was third by the time we got to turn one on the second lap. Charles Leclerc tried a two-stop strategy after an early VSC. This was because Sebastian Vettel's power unit died, um, but just had no answer for Max's incredible combo of tire conservation and raw pace. With it, Max ties Nigel Mansell for seventh on the all-time wins list with his 31st Grand Prix victory. I'm going to cut to the chase here, gentlemen. Are we starting to witness quite possibly the greatest F1 season ever? There are six races left in this season, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a... He'll have the single-season wins record. While we understand that there are more races now than there were than when Vettel set the record and when Schumacher set the record, etc., etc., he's going to have races in hand to spare. He, he can run the table, and that's not even really a hot take to suggest that he could. No, it isn't. I mean, statistically, if he continues on this streak, uh, he'll end up with pretty much every single season record bar polls. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty much everything else is on the table, to say the least. And it's <laughs> here's the thing, right? I know we joke about them in the intro. Ferrari didn't haunt this. Not, not, really. as, not as bad as they usually do. I mean, not really. this is like one of the few times where, as it turns out, taking a free pit stop under a virtual safety car, usually like mana from heaven if you could get it, and it didn't work out for them. No, because 
doing a two stop around Monza just never ever works out. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what ended up with Ferrari is that they they were simply outgunned. While Charles did get pole on merit, it's just the continuing theme of this year. This Red Bull has a lot of it has a W ten air around it. Not the best car in qualifying, not by any means, but it's so good on race day. And r- such as Red Bull's aero efficiency and Honda's power unit, they were running a medium downforce wing at Monza on Max's <laughs> car. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Which is just... Uh, he could win. He could get the single season wins record with races to spare. Yeah, it was the funniest part of this race was when... Leclerc comes in with about 20 laps to go, bolts on a brand new set of um, soft tires, thinking, okay, he's got to, he's going to try and go over the top on new tires. He's come out 18 seconds behind Verstappen and thinking, okay, well, he's got to take a second a lap out of Max, you know, over the last 18 to try and win the race. And two laps later, he's 20 seconds down. Yeah. It just it just didn't matter. I mean, yeah, Leclerc was faster as the tires came to him, but it, but it, it was a tenth it here was, and there. It was it nowhere was, near yeah. enough. It was a, a couple of attempts here and there. It was nothing significant at all. Max was in complete control of this race, and he went nearly half distance on the soft tire, and his pace was never a problem. It was just. And when he was on the mediums chasing down Leclerc after his early stop on the mediums, he was a second a lap faster. It was just, it was easy pickings for, yeah, for Verstappen. I mean, the problem with Ferrari pitting so early under the VSC is really just, they went from a strategy where they were very unlikely to win to a strategy that they had no chance at winning. Yeah. Ultimately, but, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Hmm. But you've seen. Such is the pace of the Red Bull as the tires begins to wear. And such is Max's ability to just run a whole stint more or less at the same pace as a result. Hmm. Ferrari basically leapt out of the way during the first stint. Yeah. And rather than having rather than making Max beat them on track. And that's just been the theme for Ferrari this year is almost when they don't completely haunt the strategy, they at least do something where instead of instead of fighting it out on track, they try to get too smart with it because they don't th- they don't have confidence in putting it in the hands of Charles and having Charles do what he did in 2019, questionable tactics aside, mm. and try and hold him off. Yeah, it's, it's a bit ridiculous, like not trusting your brand new star quarterback to get five yards on a fourth and down at the end of the game. <laughs> no, no, give me the 64-yard field goal instead. Um, <laughs> oh, I missed the NFL. But no, I mean, this was this was so straightforward. It was, it's, I don't like sucking the, the air out of a Formula One race like this. But when a guy is just driving this well, there's nothing you can do and say. It's just that good. It, it, the combination of this car, the fact it really has no significant weakness at the moment, and Max is driving 
as well as I've ever seen him drive. This is go Max for it is- and run up the score. Just just run up the score as much as you can, my dude. He, he nearly has five rounds in hand. He's probably winning the championship of Suzuka in a month's time. Yeah, it's a real shame they took the Honda stickers off the car. I know, but like a home win. There's a Honda. There's an HRC sticker. You, you could barely see it, but it's there and it's on the engine cover. Oh like, my god! To, to, to borrow the line of the great Julian Ryder, they don't call it the Honda Motor Company for nothing. <laughs> but oh uh, he drove around. He drove around George Russell, getting towards Leclerc like Russell had an engine failure. <laughs> It's it it's just so easy at the moment. Like it's 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 one of those things where it's like you don't want to make it sound easy. I mean, if we were working for Sky Sports, we'd be trying really, really hard. Well, I would say I'd be trying really hard to spin this up because they're unfortunately this weekend they were too busy being sad over the Queen. Which, by the way, the weirdest fucking vibe I have ever watched a Formula One race in. It was ever. so weird. It was like you had you had a largely UK based media contingent that mm. really felt like they didn't want to be there, and that covering this race was more of an obligation rather than something that they enjoyed. And while these scenes are going on, like Monza is pumping out just at full volume all of the EDM and drum and bass <laughs> dance hits that you can think of. Like the DJ's like, I'm gonna play Hold Your Cutters by Pendulum. Turn it the fuck up, baby. Woo! <laughs> Get down in Italian, obviously. But um <laughs> like it will and, and Sky cut down their pre-race coverage. They sliced half an hour off everything. Like there was no Ted's notebook. There was no Ted's notebook. What can we do? Like it was, it was a very strong. Red Bull were not even playing music out of their garage, and and like yeah, that is the thing. Red Bull wasn't playing music, but Monza was playing it twice as loud to compensate. Yeah, yeah, like they did not give a shit. Like the only issue was they had they had the mics turned down so much they ended up botching Andrea Pacelli singing the national anthem before the race started, which is a crime. Punishable by death, quite frankly. But it was an incredible like this is this was a weird Grand Prix to watch. Like not just because it wasn't particularly captivating, but also because Sky were determined to make the vibe as weird as possible. And this is obviously, you know, off the back of Queen Elizabeth II passing, but like it's like they just did not know how to handle this. It was like, do we act normal? Do we not act normal? You know, like everyone's wearing black like it i just uh, i i don't know i'm getting i'm getting strange vibes around this time 21 years ago which i'm oh, old yeah. enough and american enough to rem- to vividly remember uh just how just how sad the mood in the room was and for for understandable reasons mm. um but uh master stappen really good what yeah. else is there to say yeah. on the other hand <laughs> Let's talk about the final six laps of this race. Now, sure. Daniel Ricardo already on the way out of McLaren. Already, like, somehow, someway, things have got to break right at the track where, let's not forget, he wanted a McLaren 1-2. And mm. early on in the race, things were looking good. And then between the two Lesmos with six laps to go, his car just dies. 
emblematic of Daniel, uh, the rest of Daniel Ricardo's entire tenure at McLaren through these two seasons. But the problem is that they can't get the car into neutral into the escape, escape road, so they call a safety car. But then the safety car takes a bit longer than expected to pick up the right leader. And because mm. of this delay, and because of all the trouble getting Ricardo's car off of the road safely, these last six laps end under the control of the safety car. The race finishes under safety car. And this led to calls from many fans asking Formula One to have a think about the procedures of ending the race, even if it meant deliberately calling for a red flag to force a two or three or one lap sprint finish. So, folks, uh, what do we think here? So now we want to finish under green. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's, the, there's the obligatory jab. You, you, you stole my line, Buckley, you bastard. <laughs> Did I actually? It was in the script. Oh my, uh, same brain cell. <laughs> get out of my head. Um, no, like, I feel like this is like a nice, convenient way of saying we don't want Max Verstappen to win this race so easy. Because that's what this felt like to me. It was it, an interesting post-race reaction from the uh, from the team principals because Mattia mm. Bonato, whose lead driver finished second, and well, he didn't really have a chance to win, but he probably did, and he and he was like, "Yeah, it shouldn't have been like this." Christian Horner said, "Yeah, it shouldn't have been like this," and his driver benefited from it. Mm. And Total Wolf was just like, "Yeah, this is this is what they should have done." This is what they should have done the whole time. Mm. Of course, he probably was thinking that they should have done this at Abu Dhabi last year. But that's, that's exactly what he was referring to. Yeah, he said this time they got it right, basically. He, again, he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, to me, this didn't warrant a red flag. No, like, because something that someone made a very good point on in, a, in another Discord server the one time we've seen or the time we saw a red flag at the very end of a race to create that sprint finish was Baku last year when Verstappen had the catastrophic tire failure, hit the wall on the main straight right after pit exit. But you need to keep in mind, the car was stranded with no way to move it. And there was debris all over the front stretch from his front wing and assorted bodywork. Hmm. It was going to be a red flag regardless of what time that happened in the race, really. Yeah. Damage, damaged barrier equals automatic red. <laughs> so how are we getting there on this? Because we want entertainment. And that's, I f in my opinion, this is the mental conflict that... I think a lot of motorsport fans don't want to admit affects how they watch. And again, I think it was another excuse to draw the battle lines between what happened last year, the Hamilton side of the fan base, because Hamilton was very vocal about how it reminded him of the end of last season and Verstappen, who, you know, ultimately you could argue, you know, 
won in this situation because he didn't have to face a standing restart or anything along those lines. To be fair, to be certain though, I, I don't think Verstappen blows a standing restart either way. No, probably not. I mean, look, it, it's it's low percentage, but this is the thing, right? <laughs> I, I wrote about this in my Dre Reviews piece on it, and I said straight at the top, do not piss on my head and call it rain when people tell me that the entertainment doesn't matter and that it's a sport first. You need to get the balance right. I, I said this before. If your sport is not entertaining, it dies. There is no getting around that, right? And the show will always be a factor in the back of the head Mm-hmm. of a lot of these sporting organizers. I mean, you. this was not a red flag situation. If Daniel Ricciardo's car dies on lap four, we're not even considering a red flag. A lot of people used Nick DeFreeze driving very close to the cherry picker as a, as a convenient way of saying, look, it should have been red flagged, which I say, why can't the drivers read the basic instructions that a double wave the yellow means be prepared to stop? Like, why are we okay with letting the drivers get away with that? That's what I want to know. Overall, I think that I think a lot more people are okay with the rules being bent to suit them than they care to admit. Because entertainment is what shaped the way Formula One is now. Like, why do you think we have standing restarts again? Yep. For what? For for what other reason? Purely, purely to create first lap drama later in the race. Precisely. Why, like, Dre? I, why I, do you think that last year, mm. you know, as we talk about, and unfortunately, it got to rear its ugly head in the meanest of ways. There was a gentleman's agreement between the teams of hey, and the FIA that we want to be able to finish races under green. Because they want the chaos to potentially gain a few spots at the end of a race by having a standing restart. They want a little bit of jumble in there. And look, when we got one at Baku, that's exactly what happened because Hamilton pressed the magic button on his car and cost him an almost guaranteed win. You know, so. Michael Massey bending the rules at Abu Dhabi to ensure a green flag finish ensured Max Verstappen was able to steal the championship on the final lap. Yeah. And of course, it split the room and it split the audience. But did a little bit more than split them. Well, yeah, I'm being generous when I say that, but you get the gist, yeah. right? Because a sta- like, are you honestly trying to tell me that a standing restart is safer than, than, than the no. double wave yellows we got? Because it's not. It at Monza, one of the most narrow corner entries we go to for a turn one all year. Any of y'all out there play Gran Turismo online at Monza? <laughs> Oh no it's no no no! Out no. in those streets. Oh no 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 no! Look, and I can use this exact. I can use this exact same example for almost every series we cover on this network, and other series that we watch in our own spare time. MotoGP is adding sprint races next year. IndyCar has and repeatedly and tends to in the last ten percent of a race will throw a red to guarantee a finish under green. It's Unless it's it. a 2020 Indianapolis 500. Yeah. Well, right there, we had a destroy pit attenuator, which is never ideal. Yeah. But the thing is with that, and, and, and that is where a lot of the comparisons were drawn, IndyCar explicitly has a rule that is within the race director's discretion. Yeah. 
to throw a red. Whereas F1, the red is purely used as a safety factor. Right, which is what the FIA had to explain in its statement after the race. The FIA doesn't have a regulation like that. IndyCar, it's in the rule book, and it's the, it, it's race director's call. It's, it wasn't even the it wasn't even like the most fucky finish of. Is, is that like the best way to? Because there was a Formula Three race that ended with nobody knowing what the heck was going on, and admittedly, I missed this because I was asleep from working another race. Congratulations, hmm. Victor Martins, on winning the Formula 3 title. But what the heck was that finish? Well, because the TLDR, Time limit. Uh, we had a, yeah, we had a situation where it was going to enroach on the races ahead of it in the day, and those races take precedent. Yep. They favor the TV networks, so they got to clear that timeout. You know, there's a reason why Formula 1 on British TV normally has 90 minutes of pre-race coverage. 90. But the point I'm getting at here, right, is that I use the example of MotoGP. They're adding spin races. IndyCar has a red flag rule down the end of the race that the director can pull. NASCAR has overtime finishes and has an entire playoff format down the stretch to try and guarantee some drama at the end of the season in inverted commas. Cam, two words for you. The showdown. You know what I'm talking about from British Superbikes, right? (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm gonna be sick. You know, world superbikes. Why else would they go to three races a weekend to try and stop Jonathan Ray from winning? That's why they also had reverse grids for the Super Bowl race that they still do now, right? Yep. Every major series we watch and cover has been shaped by thinking of the show. This in Formula One is no different. And that mental conflict that we have now is the reason why we're having this debate at the moment. Because now, in a situation where, you know, Hamilton isn't the victim of this, you know, debatable call. The victim, was, the, the, the victim of this decision to finish the race under Yellow was Charles Leclerc. Right. Charles was denied at least a shot of a standing restart overtake. Who knows what happens at that point? And you bigger problem in all of this. And, mm. so, and you could hear the boos from the crowd. Not necessarily to sta- directed at Verstappen, sure. But directed uh, yeah, at the yeah, FIA. good joke. <laughs> no, and the bigger issue here in, in what caused this finish to go under yellow all the way to the end was the fact that the safety car failed to pick up Max as he came out of the pits instead picked up George Russell. And then we spent multiple laps trundling around behind it, trying to figure out how to put the field back together. And um, by that point, we'd run out of time. You know, yeah. we'd run by the out time of time We actually picked up max. We didn't have time to clear the lap cars. We didn't have time to get the race back going again. Pinnacle yeah. of motorsport. If they do decide in the off season to convene and say, look, we're adding a provision where we can red flag at the race director's discretion, uh, to try and, you know, create to ensure at least one more attempt at a green flag finish. I wouldn't be upset about it, but I also don't. As I've grown older, I realize I don't mind as much when races end under yellow. Just like it's kind of like the American sports attitude towards ties. You must, when the you NH- must have a winner. Right. <laughs> you know. when, the NH- when the National Hockey League came back from its season-long blackout, one of the things that was highly advertised is that we're not doing ties anymore. We have a shootout to determine our winners because there will be a winner in every regular season match. Also in the NFL, there's still ties. 
yeah. in the regular season. Yeah. But, but nobody shits on the NFL for that. Nope. Nope. And they shit on them for the overtime rules, ironically. <laughs> More than anything else. See I, see, I wish they would change the overtime rules to benefit my team. Go Bills. No bills. Um, As if you need the help at this point. Right. You know, but this is what, like, I, look, I don't have a strong opinion on whether they should add a mandatory red flag late finish rule to Not try. Not requesting, like, overtime, because yeah. we know that includes, like, adding extra fuel in the tank, maybe making the fuel tank bigger. That's going to be a harder push. Yeah. We're not even asking no, the teams teams are going to fuel to the limit of what they think they can get away with. And if you've got an extra few kilos in the car, that is free for that's free performance that you are leaving on the table mm-hmm. betting on a late red flag. But if you do run into that situation, you're going to run out of fuel. You're going to score zero points. Right. Um, do we really want to bring back refueling? Fuck no. Do we really want uh, late, late turbo era uh, laps where we just have half the field running out of fuel? No thanks. That everybody, everybody looks stupid. No, look, look I, Michael, I don't- Schumacher, Michael Schumacher turning the race into four super duper sprint is a fantastic art form in itself. But you're basically guaranteeing that nobody is going to pass on track if they can help. No, yeah. and look, like I said, I don't have a strong opinion either way as to whether Formula One should lean into the show a bit more and try to deliberately finish their races under green more often. Yeah, we are driven by entertainment and we want to see exciting finishes, but I believe this was only the 12th ever race in F1 to finish under yellow. Yeah, for many years, there wasn't even really a safety car. If, if there was an accident or somebody broke down at the side of the road late of the race, you know what the thing was? Uh, I guess we'll throw you a flag, but uh, otherwise you're on your own, pal. Well, Andre, uh, how was the response to F1 bending the rules last year for the show? Not um, good. How'd that go? It went well. Um, <laughs> Not no. good. It, at the moment, everybody was just like, what the heck is going on? And now it's like one loud, rabid portion of terminately online portion of one driver's fan base that still won't let it go. And I get it. Right. Just. It's, uh. it's, it's not an easy question. Cause I mean, one of my favorite, in fact, the YouTuber I recommended on our 300th episode slap shoes, did a fantastic video breaking down just how bad NASCAR's current playoff format is. Yeah. And the start of that video, he talks at length about the delicate balance between sported integrity and entertainment and how much of that you're prepared to sacrifice in order to try and put on a better product. And, you know, there was talk of NASCAR's player format and how bad it is. Like, and we have, we are seeing every major motorsport series in the world constantly have that debate with themselves. And formula one have been doing that for years even before we got sprint races put in, even before we're now having this conversation about mandatory finishes, we were talking about changing the weekend format years ago. We were talking about reverse grids years ago. There was like, a trust me, bro, sort of say, suggesting that like Formula One's think about giving points away for practice sessions. Yeah, like 
I don't know where that line is. It's in, it's an incredibly subjective thing as to where how how long before this becomes basically WWE WWE's Foxy Racing. But I I don't know where I draw the line on that. I said before, look, look, I'm not mad. I don't hate the idea of points in practice sessions, but at that point, it stops being a practice session because it means something. You know, it's it's it's, it's a pre qualifying session. Yeah, and. You're going to have teams sending cars out with their engines turned all the way up to the max and no fuel in the car to try and steal a fast lap. By the way, one thing I noticed from this whole weekend, qualifying, extraordinarily well behaved. Mm. Yeah, no one really really played games with the toe. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't like that. What was it, 2019, 2020, where everybody was just like, oh, you go ahead. Oh, no, you. Oh, you go ahead. I insist. And then, like, nobody sets a lap at the end. Yeah, that was quite (laughs) funny. That was certainly funny. But, yeah, please let us know where you sit on this debate. Because, like I said, it's an incredibly subjective thing. There is no right or wrong answer here. Where do you draw the line on entertainment? Is, Is it... To, you know, is it you know red flag finishes you know is 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 it you know essentially having a, a, a sprint finish at the end is that too much is points in practice too much because i can't see it with a clear conscience and say that points in practice is bad when moto gp guarantees a top 12 grid slot if you're a top 10 rider in practice you know just just saying more than anything else yeah. um let's talk about it the freeze Wait a minute. This isn't our Formula E podcast. No, it's not. And but it, surprise. Um, first and foremost, get well soon, Alex Albon, because holy shit. Um, he had appendectomy. He had emergency surgery, and then he had complications from the anesthesia after the surgery. Nothing life threatening, but thank goodness he's going to pull through it. Generally okay. Although I will say, giving himself a two week recovery time. To come back at Singapore, very optimistic. Yeah, he's he, he probably shouldn't be racing at Singapore given an, an appendix surgery is normally six weeks on the shelf. Yeah. Um, so you know, best wishes to Alex, of course, but he probably should sit at least Singapore out. Um, but uh, yeah, at the eleventh hour Saturday morning, apparently he was sitting in Mercedes hospitality wing when he got the call. Nick the Freeze, who had already done a free practice session with Aston Martin earlier on the weekend, was like, "Do you want to come and drive our race car and fill in for the for the rest of the weekend?" And Nick was like, "Do I?" <laughs> and he did. He qualified. He, t- he took part in FP3. He qualified thirteenth, which ended up being eighth after all the penalties came into play. There was eight of them um, and drove a fantastic race and finished ninth on debut, matching Williams' best result of the year. I mean, gentlemen, what did you make of the performance and what does it say about Williams going forward? It's amazing to think that a week ago, we weren't really thinking of Nick DeVries as like a serious contender for a Formula One seat because we felt like that opportunity had already come and passed last year but i will say this he now has at minimum two different teams bidding for his services next season because reportedly alpine are interested i mean they're interested in everybody the try that may be interested in replacing fernando alonso at this stage nick devries had the benefit of a very friend favorable conditions 
for his Formula One debut, and he made the most of it because Mons is a slippery track. This is probably one of the best places for Williams to score a strong result. He moved up the grid because of all the great penalties, but he didn't really embarrass himself. Like the worst that it got was, you know, the reprimand they got after the race for standing on the brakes right in front of Joe Guan Yu. Mm. That was really as bad as it got. Oh, and he was also really, really worn out. But I will say this, like, <sighs> Nick DeVries is, he showed in one race that he has Formula One material. And if you're Felipe Drogovic, you got to be thinking, well, if everybody's saying that nobody's interested in me because I didn't beat anybody when I won the Formula Two championship, which Felipe Drogovic did clinch the Formula Two championship this past week at Monza. But they're saying like, oh, the reason why they're not interested in you is because you didn't beat anybody. He's just like Nick DeVries wasn't. Nobody was interested in Nick DeVries because he didn't beat anybody. To which I reply, you can only beat the dudes that are in front of you. And sometimes you just got to make the most of your opportunities when you can. And Nick DeVries did exactly that. And if you're Nicholas Latifi, you got to be thinking, damn, I hope my sponsors are coming through with a bigger check to keep me aboard because so, no. I don't know. If Why I- are Nicholas Latifi out of a cannon and be done with? He's not even the top Nick in the team. <laughs> this dude stepped in with less than 24 hours notice, did FP3, heavily outqualified you and then scored points on debut. This is the first time that we've had two Dutch world champions of motorsport in the same F1 session, by the way. Mm, fun times. And yeah. uh, if I were Nick mm. DeVries, hearing uh, what Laurent Rossi has to say about his drivers, given that uh, Piastri should have been, lo- according to him, Piastri should have been loyal, even though they didn't actually have a contract <laughs> to drive right. him in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that guy can go fuck himself. Um, Nick DeVries was spectacular. I can't heap enough superlatives on him. It's not going to be him up out of the car. The man's arms were destroyed after the race. I will say this. If he gets another crack, and he should at Singapore if Albon's not fit to race, it's not going to be as easy at Singapore. But I think if if you are Williams Racing and you want to make a serious impression that you want to be back to being a regularly competitive team. If you have the opportunity to go get Nick DeVries on your squad in a full-time deal, do whatever you need to, to to move money. The dude just picked up your tied best, I would say arguably the best driver performance of the year in that car. He won driver of the day as he should have. Mm. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, this was seriously impressive. It's amazing how these things turn out because it's like Nick DeFreeze did more for his stock in the space of 36 hours of Monza's weekend than he had done in the previous three years of him in Formula E and Formula 2, respectively. Like, and if this you're is- Van Dorn, who's probably thinking, well, maybe this HWA FEC will get me back in Formula 1, you're thinking, ah, shit, not this yeah. again. It's amazing how timing and being in the right place at the right time can work out for people. I mean, we are talking, I mean, you look at how we evaluate talent, and I know RJ alluded to that when it comes to Felipe Drogovic, who congrats to him on winning the Formula 2 title. Enjoy your new job as a... Uh, 
Aston Martin simulator driver. Have fun with that. Um, but uh, I get to watch while well, Fernando and Lance fight to beat Lawrence Stroll's favorite son. Yeah, it's it's. it's <laughs> I'll get the popcorn for him. The like. When it comes to how we evaluate driver talent, Nick DeFries is precisely not the sort of guy we talk about with F1 credentials. He's 28 years old now. He, as you, as RJ alluded to, didn't have a particularly strong field in Formula 2 because he, he won the title the year after the infamous class of 2019 moved up with Russell, Norris, and Albon. And, you know, the runner-up that year was Nicholas Latifi, ironically. Yeah. You know, and then he went to Formula E. He won a world championship, but people didn't take it all that seriously because of the lottery style format that we had for qualifying that year. And then this season, he under delivered and was largely quite scruffy on track. And yet, one brilliant F1 race. And now we're talking about penciling him in for an F1 seat. This sport is ridiculous. <laughs> Normal. Normal sport. Once upon a time, McLaren's young driver program had Nick DeVries, Kevin Magnussen, and Stoffel Van Dorn all under their wing. Good job. Yeah. None of them are now in F1. Like, I just... Under McLaren's employ. Nope, no. Instead, uh, they... Instead, Zach Brown likes... Uh, he likes catfishing people. Yeah. To say the least. I thought of that. Love him or hate him. Somehow it worked out for everyone in the end. We'll see. Yeah, like it's it's amazing how we evaluate talent here and and how and how we get to this point. And yeah, I can't disagree with anybody else. Nicholas Satifi is done in this town. Look, I like Nicholas. He's a good boy. But I've always said before, if you describe a driver by talking about how nice a guy he is, he probably isn't very good. If that's the first thing that comes into your head, um, and he's had three years. He's actually probably regressed a bit on last season where he actually showed a little bit of promise in 2021 um, as a driver. At this point, Latifi is an anchor. There is no getting around it. That was the last shred of proof needed that he is an anchor in that team because Nick DeFries walked in and, and whipped his ass again like he did in Formula 2 two years ago. Like that's or three years ago, I should say. Like this is it's just not good enough from Latifi and Williams, if they want to get themselves back up the ladder, they need two quality drivers and, you know, money be damned. I know they're struggling. I know they're not in the best of places financially at all, but the way you get money in the long run is by getting points. And the only way you're going to get points is by having two quality drivers. And Nicholas Latifi is not a quality driver. There is the no only reason that. why we forgot how, just how much worse Latifi is compared to the rest of those around him was because last year Nikita Mazepin was an entire he was an entire step deeper into the sewage. Yeah. Look, if there is a Dutch business that wants it, you know what? Just if you're Yumbo Supermarkets, just ignore oh. all that stuff about about your boss's house being raided. You move you make that money work. Yikes. <laughs> Make it work for you, baby. Make it work for you, because uh, yeah, this that was that was that was all the evidence we needed to see regarding what the future of Williams should be. At this point, give Logan Sargent a call. He might be a better shot for this card than Nicholas Latifi is. If if you really don't want to hire the twenty eight year old, I get it. But like, geez, this is just not good. Oh, oh well, at least we'll have a, a lifetime supply of Nintendo to get through at home. Anyway. 
Formula One is back in three weeks' time. It was actually we got an extra week off because uh, you know, thanks Russia. Um, we got an extra week off. <laughs> Hey, thanks for launching a war of aggression to give us an extra week off the Formula One season. <laughs> yeah, rest in piss, bozos. Anyway. Um, Please uh, direct your comments to... Uh, wait, who, who are we directing our comments to? Uh, uh, we we don't need to. No. I'll, what, what, I'll, I'll argue with What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Fight us like Russia did? Yeah, that, that, that's like, going uh, real Russia's well. doing to Ukraine is it's not going so well. Yeah, it's not going so hot for him at the moment. Um, Give it to the politician that's always that that Bubba Wallace lives rent free in his head. Give it to that guy. Yeah, yeah. Pack watch, pack watch. Bubba Wallace, motherfuckers. Yeah. Bubba Wallace won at Kansas. Yeah, hell a race yeah. That ran a hundred percent of the distance, and he dominated the last sixty laps or so. What a boy! What a boy! Like on behalf of everybody at M101, we are stoked for Bubba Wallace. Let's go, son! Brilliant performance, uh, and the Jordan shush when he got out of the car. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Beautiful work. I'm just. As meant, uh, I'm yeah. just sad that despite him winning, the McDonald's curse has begun anew. I know, but well, we can uh, celebrate with free McNuggies. There is always time for Freeman Nuggies. As I said, Formula One is back in three weeks' time at Singapore. One hand on the championship for Max Verstappen. He actually has a championship point, I believe, going into this round if yep. certain results go his way. If Charles finishes it. below seventh and Max wins, Max will be crowned in Singapore. Yeah, we uh, we have a championship point with six races to go, which kind of says it all, really, about the state of play at the moment. I'm sure Leclerc has a clean weekend. Th that'll be fine. He's driving for Ferrari, Dre. What I meant to say is toss a coin. Anyway, like I said, Formula One, Singapore, three weeks time. Next episode, 396, will be IndyCar season finale at Laguna Seca. And, uh, well... Turns out he had the power after all. Until uh, basically you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. Uh, again, personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. Instagram, motorsport101pod. Um, website, motorsport101.com. And of course, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Next time out, we're heading back to IndyCar for the second to last time this season, I suppose. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Sayonara. Later, y'all. So surely he doesn't run the table to the end, right? Right? Um, I'm not betting against that at this point. Oh, God. I wonder, I wonder how much money we can make off of this. Uh, sports betting agencies, if you want to sponsor us. Yeah, yeah, hold on. I work for one. Have your people call my people.